So we're about to get into a podcast with uh, Jeff Mitseff, who's a pro poker player and also a very successful fantasy baseball player. It's a good short episode, just a one-on-one episode with me and him. But before we get into that, I just uh, want to say that like um, last year, um, and we're trying to get away from the bullshit on this podcast, last year um, I had filled the show on the podcast and we bleeped out his next year's Robbie Way- Robbie Ray, um, who was um, – what he did say was it was Miles Mikolas was the was the person that he did say that we bleeped out. And I know people are upset about that, wonder – Wander Francophile, Wander Francophone, whatever his name is, um, Bradley Newman, whatever his name, his real name is. He was upset, and like I do apologize. So I want to shout out to this guy, Wander Francophile. I want to extend an olive branch to him, and um, in doing so, I'm and Phil was complicit in that. So he was he, he allowed me to bleep it out. So I think this is paying it forward. I've done. I have um, a spreadsheet that tracks all the drafts I've done for all the gladiators. I've been in nine with Phil, and I'm gonna tell everyone his most owned player. Um, and uh, this is kind of verifiable because he did draft this player in the draft that we did um, together. Uh, that was part of the podcast, the first gladiator, the first ever gladiator that we recorded, and he drafted him quite early. And he not only did he draft him, he reached for him. So, without further ado. Um, I'm going to reveal Phil's most known player in these gladiator formats. And that player is Jorge Mateo. Yes. So yeah, he did take him in that first one and he's been continuing to take that player. Anyways, um, I hope that makes up for, um, bleeping out, um, his next year's Robbie Ray last year. And, um, I hope everyone's happy, including, um, Brad Newman. Anyways, enjoy the episode, boys and girls, and and everyone. Sorry, I, I apologize for that. Welcome to the Draft Champions Podcast. I'm here with Jeff Mitzev. What's up, buddy? Hey, how's it going? Good. So you um, and I have probably been in the most of these gladiator drafts. We'll just get right to the point. You've um, there's there's a hundred of these drafts, and the NFPC only lets only lets you do forty five of them. You've already maxed out your entries. I did. I, I shot my lo- my load quick. <laughs> yeah, so did I. I'm, I still got a couple left to do that are that are um, scheduled for live drafts uh, in the next two weeks or so. But um, how many of you completed? I got uh, 41 done, and I have uh, three that are in round 22 or later, and then I have one that hasn't started, the, the one on January 15th. Yeah, I'm in that one uh, with you as well. Um, so, um, you are, um, a poker player as well. Yeah. And I think there, there's gotta be something about people being good at poker and being good at fantasy. There must be some, something that's like some sort of skill set that translates because you got Casey Cha, they got yourself, uh, Ryan Roof, I think plays as well. At least his picture shows that he does, or I've heard him say he does. And then you got Griff, Griffin Banger, who's been very successful recently, um, probably missing others um what's the guy that vlad had on his podcast actually now that it wasn't the guy that i had written down here but um he did have griffin um who else um it's just, um it's the guy that yanti yanti talks to all the time um anyways whatever um so is, is there something is there some sort of like an eight skill set that you think that translate translates between like poker and fantasy sports or is there is there a skill set that it translates 
Um, I mean, it's just, you know, people that are successful in poker and uh, fancy sports are just, they're uber competitive. They're always trying to get better, trying to, you know, you know, study, listen to podcasts, you know, if something doesn't make sense to you, why people are doing it, like research it, you know, like just, you know, get better. Yeah, and I think the the margin for error is just so thin because the like you said the 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 level of competition is so high. You're playing against the best, and everyone's looking for that small edge that's that's out there, but it's hard to find. Um, I don't know. I, I I guess I guess that's it. But um, just looking back at uh, some of your like looking at you know, some of your uh, wins, you um, you're leading the month the month um, Midnight Madness for all year. You finished second in that league. You won. Yeah. You won a main event this year. You finished third overall in the main event in 2018, I think, which also coincidentally was your best year playing poker as well. Um, yeah, I. Uh, it was the the 2018 main event was kind of uh, bittersweet. I was, I think, the end of August to like September 21st. I think uh, me, I had a co-manager. We were his name is Adam Throop. Uh, we um, kind of killed the draft. Did good in Fab. We were chasing saves and batting average kind of the whole year, but we uh, had a, a a marginal lead for the last part of August up until like the third week in September. And then Yelich, we just the other two teams that we were fighting against both had Yelich, and Yelich just had that career month, and uh, it went down to the final week, and uh, Casey passed us, and uh, um, I think that was the year that they had the two. 163 playing games and uh so the stats counted and i think uh, in the last game story hit a homer and we went from third to second and then arenado hit a homer in two innings later and we went from you know second to third but neither of us really had a shot at at winning first going into the last day or the you know the two extra games right on yeah that's that's a tough one but um, oh, it well, is. you've had some you've had some good wins, and um, yeah, last year you got second in the Mike the Mouth, um, which um I was in that draft, but um it was live, but you didn't uh, participate live because you were sick in Vegas. You yeah, know? yeah, I flew down to co uh to Vegas. I was down there for five days. I was gonna play at least do one live main event, possibly two, and I was gonna do the Mike the Mouth, and I was gonna kind of scour the casinos and look to put in uh, my future bets. And uh, as soon as I got there, I got COVID and I was just basically stuck in my room for five days. So it was pretty, yeah. pretty disappointing. Yeah. If that happened this year, I don't think you would, people don't care as much. You probably just come down and, and, uh, and uh, draft live anyways. Because yeah, there you that's, go. That's back I, when COVID was, uh, everyone was thankful that you didn't come down. So we didn't get sick, but um, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's become a lot more lax recently. You know what? Sammy Reed is the guy that I was thinking of that plays also plays poker. That Vlad had on his, Vlad had on his podcast. That was a good podcast when he had him on. Um, yeah, that's the other guy I was thinking of. Um, yes, a lot of those guys do uh, tournaments. I I mean I like tournaments, but I usually only play a couple, you know, a few tournaments during the World Series, and most of the time, eleven months of the year, I'm in Portland just grinding private cash games and stuff like that. Yeah, you do well. Yeah, I uh, that's all I've been doing for the last seven years. So, so you don't have um, a day, you don't have a day job anymore. No, no. Basically, just pure pure poker, Paul. and it just pure uh, poker. And you know, I have some middle income off of like fantasy stuff. Uh, I do pretty well with future future bets, and uh, 
Um, I make uh, some money betting golf. I'm, I'm, that's probably my hot spot for uh, the betting world. Cool. Well, I got to talk to you offline about maybe uh, picking your brain about some of that stuff. But I want to talk to you specifically about the Gladiator contest um, today. And um, the saying goes, I guess, not to hammer on poker too much, but if you can't spot the dead money, you are the dead money. Um, I think that rings particularly true in some of these gladiator contests because I think it might be easier to spot the dead money in these than any other contest. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's just there's uh, this is like a brand new format. Um, so when brand new formats come out, whether it be fantasy contests or new diff- different types of poker games, the thinking player is going to have an advantage. They're going to adapt and learn quicker and kind of see pathways at, you know, a higher level of success. Uh, so some of the guys that we were knocking on, like, oh, gosh, this doesn't make any sense what they did. I mean, we'll have to check it out at the end of the year. But, uh, you know, the drafting, you know, four or five of the Cubs relief pitchers probably is not going to be a... Uh, <laughs> a profitable endeavor well yeah um so yeah like it's sort of like you have to be you're you're you're, um you want to be you want to be first in these things and and a lot of people can wait a lot of people waited to get into them but um you see the adp shift over time and sometimes it is to be it it is it, it is valuable to be first and get in early in these drafts if you are one of the people that can't adapt and i guess one of the questions i didn't I don't have an agenda, but I'm I'm just thinking of after you after you said that. What are the things about the gladiator that you think um, you'd be wise to adapt to, or things that you think would um, that that you think not everyone has thought of in terms of just like broad level strategy? Um, I don't, I really don't think you can you can't punt on a category and go for the overall in this thing because you can't. You can't fix it in fab. So, yeah, um, you know, you can neglect it a little bit. And obviously saves is the easiest thing to neglect a little bit. But you still have to, you know, try to take, you know, one or two dart throws at the end of the draft and hope you get lucky. Right. And I've, I've seen talking, talking about um, speaking of like that question and also talking about spotting the dead money. I've seen people go nine relief pitchers. You've seen that. I think you were in a couple of the drafts with me where, where some of the teams just go all relief pitchers. And that, and I'm trying to think of an analogy for that um, because the payout in the, like within the leagues, like I think 50% of the, of the money that went in, whereas the rest of it goes into the overall. Like if, you, if you're going for the overall, the, the ROI on this contest is pretty good. Um, but like I'm trying to, I was trying to think of an analogy and I'm asking myself like, okay, you're a poker player. Would you rather have an inside straight draw heads up on the flop versus like an average poker player um, and try and play that out? Um, or would you rather have like an average hand, like king, queen or king, sorry, no, like maybe king eight and you're playing like six handed, but against like some of the best players in the long run, what would you rather do? Um, yeah, I, I'd want to go with the, you know, the bigger hand, the hand that is going to win, you know, a higher percentage of the time in the long run. Yeah. So I'm, I'm my, the analogies I'm sort of thinking of here, and I don't know if I'm explaining it properly, but like you got an inside straight job, like if you're, if you're going to like play out the hand, you're going to win that like 20% of the time. Right. If you're up against like an overpair or something like that. A little less. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like 18% maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking like one out of five, which basically, um, 
you win one fifth of the time in the showdown. So it's not like it's not unlike like the single gladiator league, where it's like a fifth of the teams win because three teams get paid out, right? But like, yeah. really, like, what are you winning there? Like, if, like, you're only getting called again. You're only getting called with a better hand. Like, you're maybe gonna three or four times your money. Whereas if you play like, like a king eight against everyone, sort of like your your overall situation, you have the chance of winning a ton of money if the hands fall the way they fall, right? So I'm yeah. I'm thinking like to wrap this thought up, and I don't know if it's making a lot of sense, but it's like the people that are drafting those nine relief pitchers like and then just hammering bats and you and you have to hit on the bats that's sort of like just going for an inside straight because you're just you're only you have no chance of winning the overall you have like zero chance of winning the overall going with the nine relief pitchers because you're basically punting starters in all the categories that go along with it so you're only like you're only really utilizing the roi paid out to you within the league which is like half your money so basically you're basically burning half your money and, yeah. and and you have to win the league against good players. So I, I think that strategy is just like dumb. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. yeah, it's it's yeah, it's bad. Um and I, I genuinely think that the person who's gonna win the overall is gonna have seven starters and two relief pitchers, and the relief pitchers are probably gonna be guys that were hit on late. Hmm. At least one of the closers is gonna be hit been hit on late. I do agree with the seven two. Um, I know um, I've listened to Phil on podcasts and talked to him, and I think he's been going the six and three um, approach. Just looking at some of his drafts and and just hearing him on podcasts and talking to him as uh, someone else who's talked about this a lot. Can't really think of anyone else who has a, a hard strategy, but um, I know Fish, who's been in a few drafts, he's been taking three relief pitchers, like even early ones. I don't know if it's going to be the I don't know if it's going to be the people getting the relief pitchers late because let's say you do go with two studs, like in these drafts, you, you, you value hunt. Let's say you get one of the, one of the good closers falls to the fifth round and you take another one in the second round. So you have two really good closers in round two and round five. Why is it so much, why, why is it so much more positive value to, to hit, to hit on two late closers than to hit on a late starting pitcher and a late outfielder that might return first round value that's the question I guess. Yeah. It's, hard to, it's, it's impossible to answer we don't yeah, know it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be fun to, to look back on it after the season's over and look at the yeah. different strategies yeah and this um, the strategy that works this year might not work next year agreed i think off the top of my head i i roughly did probably 75 percent was seven two seven and seven starters two relievers and then probably 20% was six and three. And I think I had one or one team where I did five and four. I don't, it just kind of worked that way. Where like all the, all the pitchers that were left. I I thought they were just like suicide bomb in the, the ratios. And so yeah. I just, on that, that one, I went with uh, five and four. Yeah. Not my uh, favorite. Yeah. I, I did one team that was five and four, but to do that team, I made, and I, I deliberately did that heading into it. Um, I made sure that my five starters were good, good five starters. Like I took them early and they were strikeout pitchers that were going to like, they were going to be able to like compensate for the lack of strikeouts the relief pitchers got. Like they were your Snells. I think I had Snell, Javier, one of the good starting pitchers you get in round two or three, forget. But like, yeah, it, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how it works out there. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
in terms of winning the overall, let me just share my screen here for a second uh, here. I don't know if you can see. There we go. So I looked at all the categories and like the percentile. So I figure you, you probably have to be around the 90th percentile to win the overall, like on average, like to win, like to be, you, you probably have to be 90th percentile on average for everything. So looking at the situation where you would punt, like would, would, would go with all relievers. Um, I'd say like, even if you got to the 99th percentile in ERA whip and saves, and you like totally hit those out of the park and you went with your nine relief pitchers, you'd have to kill hitting. So you, let's say you, let's say you even got 90th percentile across the board in all of your bats. And then I'll, I'll give you, which you probably won't get 50th percentile in wins and K's, which I think is overly generous. All that, Agreed. all that gets you to 84.7% on average. So that's like, I think that's pie in the sky best case. So I think you're, you're fucked if you do that. Now um, let's change this around. I didn't do this. So let's, let's say you punt saves and let's, let's give yourself 99 across the board in everything else in, in, um, in the pitching. So let's like, well, all I've changed is you still, you're still going heavy bats because you're punting a pitching category here. So let's give you 90th percentile across the board and hitting. And you got 99th percentile in all the categories in pitching except for saves. So you knock out, you 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 hammer out all of your um, you perf- you do perfect on your starting pitching, and basically do perfect on your bats. You're still at 84.6 percent across the board. So I agree with what you said. You cannot punt a category. You need to find you need to find a way in this contest to win all the categories. And there's no point. And like and like we sort of talked to before, if you're going to be going for an inside straight draw, you're in the wrong game. So if you're if you're just trying to win your league in this, you're playing the wrong game. Yeah, now if, yeah, if you're just doing like one or two, you know, like you're just looking at kind of like a, you know, a double up, you know, that that's not the worst strategy, you know. But it's you should be if you're going to be entering these contests to have overalls, you should be playing to win the overall. Right on. Um. So let's let's talk. Let's go through the agenda and um. Let's talk about player ownership and diversification first. So um, I've tracked 33 drafts. I don't know. I've probably done more, but I have 33 tracked as of now. I might need to add some to my spreadsheet. But um, I was able to sort of create tables to see, um, to see like where players are being taken. And you seem to gravitate to sort uh, to certain players. Other players, what, what's sort of your strategy in terms of diversification like in these drafts? Um, I mean, there's, there's guys that I, I hit on really hard. Um, I was staying away from besides, uh, the, the top two closers, the, the next little tier that was going in round two, three, and four, I wasn't, I wasn't getting any of them. I was just kind of waiting till round six or seven to pick a bard. Sometimes as my second closer, or he, he was my number one, number one closer that I would have. Right. Um, yeah, I see. I have twenty of your drafts tracked. You have six Bard out of twenty, so that's thirty percent ownership. That's pretty. It's pretty high for Bard. But I know. It I is. know the guy. I know the guys you loved in these. You loved Bader. And uh, yeah, you you like some Bader too, or were you just drafting them to to block me in some some spots? Yeah, I did. Sometimes if I'm like uh, in between, like oh, I don't know who to draft. I'm like, oh, I might as well fuck over uh, Mitzah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a tiebreaker for me. <laughs> 
we got to figure we got about seven uh, percent of the entries in this tournament combined, me and you. So, yeah. So yeah, or, we should we should make a bet. Whoever has the highest, um, no, whoever wins more leagues, um, has to like uh, buy dinner in Vegas or something like that. All right, I'm, I'm down. I'm down. Know, it's, whatever. It's going to be 2024 by the time we figure that out. So we have to be like two years to we have two years to figure that out. But uh, we'll 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 we'll, uh, we'll have to make the bet in Vegas this year. We'll figure it. We'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll figure out the stakes. Yeah, I, mine's gonna mine's gonna be easy easier to torpedo because I got I went really really hard on some guys. Yeah. So if uh, that certain Seattle Mariners pitcher doesn't do well, then you're you might be in trouble. Yeah, it's more like a, you know, Bader, and I got a lot of Cortez. Yeah, Cortez. Uh, Cortez, I had, I was getting a lot more earlier than I than I did uh, later. Uh, I definitely don't have as much uh, Drew Rasmussen as I would like, partly due to you. <laughs> yeah, and probably um, other people that are that are in these drafts that maybe remain unnamed. Um, you like you like Garrett Mitchell. A lot. I noticed that. Yeah, I do. Like, I can't. I hopefully I can get like a a forty number on him to win rookie of the year, and I'm just gonna pile. I I I I see him hitting leadoff. Yeah. For the Brewers at some point in the season. Yeah. I mean, I know he's he's got a, he had a like a sixty something percent K rate last year, so uh, um, I know there's some holes in his game, but uh, I I think uh, he's uh, a guy. At the end of the draft, that I, I think can really pop. I think I'm I'm over fifty percent on him. You are forty percent on the drafts that I've done with you, so I don't doubt I don't doubt that you're over fifty percent with him. I don't. He's a guy I haven't taken yet. Sort of like a weird situation there with like you got Winker there and and Ruiz, and then you got some you got Frelick and um, Joey Weimer coming up. Ruiz is gone. Ruiz went to the A's. Oh, so that's that, right. That's that right. Helped, but I I definitely. I, I don't like seeing Winker there, but uh, yeah, no, no, my my bad. I'm just um, I'm thinking of why I was fading him to begin with. I knew that Ruiz went to New York. Uh, speaking of Ruiz, I don't know. Like I've taken him, but he seems like a very very risky play in these drafts. Um, yeah, agreed. Um, the one thing is, if if he does get on, uh, uh, the A's will let him run. That is without a doubt. They got. No reason to hold him back. Let's see here, Ruiz. I I think I got like three or four Ruiz. I don't is, I don't have much. Is there a point of taking him like once you, if you've got him like in the round twenty twenty one? Like when you're doing forty five of these drafts, are you going to be reaching on him? Like do you, do you sort of play the uh, the value game, um, being cognizant of the, the the price you paid in earlier drafts? Like will you if you're getting a guy in the in like round twenty twenty one, will you and his price goes up, will you reach on him? Um, so, sometimes I don't, I don't look at it like, uh, like, especially in this type of thing where it's like, uh, you know, I have 45 entries and uh, I didn't have any of them before he got dealt. And I think I grabbed two of them. I think I got one in round 17 and one in round 21. He was there, but there was a couple of drafts where I, I want to say his, uh, men was, I think someone took him in round 12. And I, I think I did a draft with Fish too, where he took him pretty early as well. Well, he's a Brewers homer, you know that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he is. So are, are you are you steering away from players? You have a lot of a lot of um, 
like a lot of shares of, or like say like whatever Bader, are you, are you cooling the Jets? Or are you just going to like, if he's around in round 12, are you just going to smash him every time? He's, you know, he's one of the guys that I started cooling my Jets on a little bit more. Um, uh, I was going really hard on him at the beginning. And right now I got uh, 47% of him. So yeah, him and Mitchell are my top two guys that are own. I have 45% uh, Rosario, 43% Walker. Right. So uh, let's go back to pitching. So supply and demand on the starting pitcher pitching here is that pitching it's, it's going pretty uniformly throughout the draft, but um, you'll see that the disclosures are going earlier just because it, it kind of makes sense. Like you can't speculate on fab or you can't take like, you can't take a couple of shots like a DC where you can take a couple of relievers and run 30, 40. Um, but also like if one or two of your starters um, start failing in their health, health wise, which they, they could like maybe one or two of your starters could get hurt. Then those closers, if they're healthy, um, will comprise a higher chunk of your ratios. So they're going to be, they'll become more important. Um, so those are the two theories I can think of why you push up the closers. But um, it looks like the sweet spot for the pitchers is like rounds three through five um, for starting pitchers. Maybe even round three is the closer. So even like rounds three through eight is where you're going to be getting your starting pitching. And I think some people, some people say, um, well, I don't mind waiting on pitching. I think there, there is a theory of I don't mind waiting on pitching to near the end because I'm taking like your, whatever, your Wesneskis or some of the Cub, like Steele or Trevor Rogers or Berrios, all those type of guys. And they're saying, well, you know what, if I'm in a bunch of these leagues, if, if say Berrios, say Jose Berrios is a guy that you took late. If he, if he doesn't blow up this year and he, he returns to form, then that's huge. But the thing is, if you're waiting, if you if you draft six of your pitchers, so two closers and four starters, and you have three more to, to draft, like in the later rounds, you, you have to you can't miss on any of them. Is that like do you agree with that? So it's sort of like I like to get all my I like to get almost all my pitching early because I don't want to wait on any of them. I don't want to I really don't want to take my shot on any of these guys. Like because all you yeah, need, all you need is one grenade. Yeah, Barrios. Um, I didn't touch him. I don't. I don't think I have a share of him. I don't have anything on Giolito. Um, I maybe got one or two of Rogers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, I mean, the, that you get that one guy. He he could just have like three or four bad outings, and you're just it just completely screws you. You know, you're you can't get in the top sixty percent of ERA and WHIP just yeah. just because that one guy because you can't take him out. He's he's locked in there the entire season. Yeah, you're. Yeah, you, you can't bench him at all. So no, I thought I think that's I think that's important. That's that's what makes it that's what makes it tough. Now, um, I don't know if you took a look at the um, the position scarcity and like how how it breaks down. Everyone talks about third base. Now, third base is like you see, it's like if you if you're familiar with the ADP like we are, you can after round four after basically Arenado's gone, you might as well you know you don't you're not going to need to dip into that pool until probably round ten again. Um, you can sort of forget about it unless you're looking at Bregman and Gunnar Henderson. Um, but surprisingly, of all the positions, it looks like shortstop drops off after round 10. Like, there's such a small percentage of teams that didn't have a shortstop after round 10. So after that, um, like Correa, Nico Horner, um, whoever else is in that range, um, I think that that was 
those are basically the last guys that go, I think. Yeah, Rosario and yeah, yeah. I, I think O'Neill Cruz is right ahead of them. Um, who else is there? Um, yeah, like uh, Jeremy, Pe- Jeremy Pena. Yeah, Pena. Pena yeah. was the other guy I was thinking of. And even I want, to me, Wander Franco is in that as well. There's I, I prefer Horner and Rosario over Wander Franco and, and Pena personally. Yeah, that's that's a tough thing. I, I kind of do as well, but you kind of want to play the ADP game because I always want to have you always want to have like the the nut combination of players. Let's like like because it always you always have a player or two that falls. So you want to grab those players and combine them with players that have fallen in the previous rounds. And I think it's all I think it's sort of like a fallacy that people do in these drafts, and you see people post their boards on Twitter and they're like, Oh my god, I got this player in round six. But yeah, I see that. But you also reached on another player in round four, so it's basically you basically cancel it out. So you, you're getting no value um, in the, in the long run, like relative to the other teams. So I think if you want to value hunt, I think it's important that you have to keep value hunting throughout the whole draft because you can reverse that. You can reverse that value like that. So yeah. it's it's like okay, like this one player fell into round four. That's usually a round two player, maybe. I'm just giving an example. Okay, pounce on that but you can't be reaching on players after that. It's like, you got to keep doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, like in, in terms of the, the corners, um, the corners actually last like third base actually lasts longer than first base in the long run. So shortstop seems deep at first, but then it, it falls off a cliff. Third and first base are shallow. Like, Third base falls off after round four with Arenado, then again after Gunner. Uh, but then after that, you have players that are available. So it you don't need to hit on – you don't need to get any particular position. It's just a matter of where you think the sweet spots are. So do you have like a sweet spot for like, say, first base? Do you have a, do you have a target – do you have a range where you're always targeting first baseman? Uh, I'm, I'm, I like – Christian Walker right there, you know, around nine, 10 sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was, I think he was going around 11 at the start of these and he kept getting pushed up. Um, I think he's going to have a lot of opportunity for RBIs with Arizona with the up and coming lineup. Um, what else? The, the position that I was actually most surprised was how scarce outfield got late, like really yes. quick. That, that was like, uh, you know, after first, you know, three or four drafts I was like you know there's one thing where one time where I only had two outfielders going into round 17 and I was like oh what the what the fuck am I gonna do here you know like it is just a, a wasteland yeah I know same it's just yeah it's like it's like everyone talks about drafting backwards do you do you what do you who do you like at the end of the draft who are you comfortable like going after in these last rounds is it outfield or do you have like a is it corner? Like, are you comfortable waiting? I, I did Joey Votto, or are you comfortable waiting for like an out? Like, there's certain outfielders that are always going to be there at the end, but they yeah, could I, be, they, they could be big, big myths, big misses. Yeah, they're, they're if you miss, it's uh, you're pretty much dead in the water. You can't can't do that. A lot of I I punted a lot of catcher. You know, like I tried to get one good guy, and then I was getting like, you know, either Haas or or Fortes or Betancourt kind of at the, you know, last 
in the 22nd round or something like that. Or I'd, if the, the teams that were drafting before me on the turn, when it came back to me, if they were also short a catcher, then I'd, I'd go one round early just to have the, the guy that I wanted. Right on. Okay. Let's, let's, let's look at position. Let's talk about the position flexibility. And I don't know, that doesn't seem like as valuable in these, uh, in these drafts as it is in other drafts. So like Otani, like I've seen people flip him to pitcher. What do you think about that? I mean, he's good to put in your utility spot at the beginning because you can't end up with Bryce Harper. That's uh, that's I, one thing he's. You can, you can. I've, <laughs> I've seen someone do that. I've seen someone. They didn't even auto him. They took. They took they, I've seen somebody take Otani second overall. And guess what? I don't think he's a second overall pick in this format because you can't. No. Move him. No. They did that, and then they took Bryce Harper in the eighth round. So that that forced you to take him and put Bryce Harper as uh, sorry as Otani as a pitcher. You also can't take JD Martinez. Yeah, if there was even like a two-person bench, like Otani would be one point one easily. If they're, you know, he's, but uh, not in this format. He's, you know, he's, you know, the round ten to fifteen, or sorry, pick for ten to fifteen range. Would you rather um, have Would you rather have Otani or Bichette? Uh, Bichette. Yeah, I think honestly, I think Otani's a round two pick in this because. He only go. He only goes in the utility spot because realistically, if you're using him as a pitcher, you're not getting, you're you're not taking him there because there's better pitchers. There's Corbin Burns, there's Garrett Cole. You prefer over him that are going yeah. mid second round. So no, he's not a pitcher. So he's a utility player, which cramps, which automatically takes you out of the running for JD Martinez, and it takes you out of the running eventually down the down the road. Um, I think he's a. I think Otani's a second round pick in this in this format personally. I um, agree. I, he. I think I only have I think only have one of him. I, I agree with that. Also, he's in a contract year, which you know I I we've seen recently that you know people in contract years kind of go off. But I don't think he needs to do that. You know, he's uh, he's already proven what he is. You know, he can kind of if the Angels are out of it, he can kind of you know take take a you know off the gas pedal down the stretch. Yeah, I mentioned uh, JD Martinez. He just got signed by the Dodgers. Um, where he goes now, like utility only devalues you, like in like a draft champions or in a main event or something like that. But where he's going, like after pick two hundred, is it really even that much at all, or at all of a of a devalue for him? Because your team is almost fully constructed at that point. So if you do still have room at utility. I don't really see him as I don't really see the utility only hurting his value really at all. No, not at all in this format, you know. And I he's actually someone I would have had a lot, lot more of if I, the news would have been out that he signed with the Dodgers, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, because it's like with the other formats, it's like you don't want to load up your utility spot because you, then you're limiting yourself to what you can and cannot grab at the end of the draft or off the waiver wire, you know. So. Yeah, this format, I, the utility spot doesn't matter. I mean, you want to have some flexibility, but getting him where he was going is not hurting you at all. Like you said, your team is already constructed for the most part. Yeah, I'll give you an example of that. I was in one of the drafts, and I, I had a middle, I had second, short, middle infield all already filled, and then I had Kettle Marte, who I said I'd never draft, um, <laughs> and um, J.D. Martinez available to, to choose from. And typically, I'd probably, in according to ADP, Cattle Marte is going higher, and I usually take him because of that. But 
since I had, if I were to choose Ketel Marte, he would only slot into my utility spot. So in that case, I chose JD Martinez because there was no positional consideration there, which is one of the, I guess, nuances of these drafts. Um, conversely, Witt and Tatis, like they're dual eligible players that are going early though. Um, personally, I don't really, I haven't really found that position flexibility for those players that useful. What about you? No, not, a, I mean, yeah, not, not much. Yeah. Um, so, and another thing with thought, Witt, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Jeff. I, I think I have uh, two shares of Wit and one of Tatis. I mean, I would have way more Tatis if it was a different format, but he's just, I mean, he's a, He's got a very low, very low floor in this format. That's true. Um, and then another thing with Witt is like he's like a low batting average guy, which is I'm trying to think. I think he's one of the only low batting average guys in the first round. Like if like if he's supposed to be hitting like 250, 260, I'm just go. I haven't really done any serious projections yet, but based on what he's what he's done, like say he's a, say he's a 260 hitter. Forget about if the projections are right or not. I don't really think there's anyone in the first couple rounds that are that that's that low i'm looking right now at a draft you got Acuna, judge tucker soto um, vlad machado alvarez these are all freeman bets devers even pete alonzo trout riley like these are all guys that are like harris like you have to get to the third round like Semyon and rosarina to have that batting average risk now in this format do you think, yeah. think that the average like batting average and ratios are more paramount because players are going to get hurt. So you're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to replace those counting stats sort of everyone in theory will be in that situation. So would you place a higher importance on batting average and avoid like early players like that, like your wet Simeon and even Dalton Varsho? Uh, that's a good point. The I do. I definitely like Bichette better at his price than where Witt, Witt is going. Um, batting average. Well, it's not even. Yeah, it's, not even it, it's not even like Varsho is really that bad. Like at like for his position, like he's fine. He's not really like a. He's not going to kill you at his position, but it's really the opportunity cost. So you're you're pat you're 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 drafting Varsho around three. Yeah, I get it. He's a catcher, and he's going to be amazing for a catcher. But he's still not going to be a plus for your batting average. We call it neutral to give him the benefit of the doubt. But you're pat like. The batting average, you're passing up the the Arenado, the Altuve, the whoever else, like Goldschmidt in that range, um, a player that you're not going to be able to have the chance to to get at later. And anyone with, and you're going to be looking at players with other flaws like Quan and and Luis Arias and stuff like that to if you want to fill that batting average sink. So I don't know. I just I just find it hard to. To get to 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 dip to dip in dip your toes into the bad batting average early because it, just because of opportunity costs like Story and Wit and Varsho, it's just tough. Even Semyon and not like man, I have I have shares of all those players, but it's just really tough, especially in this format. Yeah, you definitely definitely have to be mindful. You know, it's it is fun banking about a bat a bunch of batting average early and not have to worry about it towards you know the middle and end of the draft. Yeah. Yeah, so even at the end, like you're, you're you're getting batting average, but like looking at the players that are going to help you in home runs and stolen bases later, like you're not going to get you're not going to you're not going to be able to fill the, all those spots in at once. So just getting your safe batting average first, I, I think, is valuable in this format. 
Yeah, um, very. Um, general strategics considerations. Um, like, I guess you didn't save any drafts in January, but honestly, like things haven't changed that much. Like since we started these, because we blew through these, like this contest that we like, that we started doing, like in what was it, mid November, <laughs> we we blew through all these entries like super quick. Yeah, I was trying to like. I was going back and forth to trying to trying to save more towards the end, but I wanted to, you know, the ones that were kind of like lingering at like the 13, 14, you know, out of 15 entries, I just wanted to hop those in and get the next one moving along. Yeah. You know, I, I just, I thought it was very beneficial for people like me and you that did a bunch early that we wanted to see this thing closed as soon as possible. Yeah. You want to um, get, get your average down your cost in terms of for, for certain players that like maybe you were drafting a bit earlier and they fell. Um, I looked at the ADP for the first half of these drafts. I think there were 76 when I looked, 76 complete last time I looked, I believe. Um, I looked at the players that uh, first half versus second half ADP. Um, you could probably guess at some of the players that have risen the most. Masataka Yoshida. He's he's the guy that rose the most, obviously. Yeah. He was, he was being drafted, though, um, before he was signed, which was um, a risky play, but it was a risk that paid off. Um Ruiz, we talked about him. He's moved up a lot. Winker, Finnegan, Kyle Finnegan. Yeah, I'm I'm probably partly due to, due to that. Yeah, I got I got a lot of Finnegan. Uh, if you see the, I don't know if you can see here. Like, um, these are the these are the top risers. If you look, a lot of them are closers actually, and players that have signed. So Manaya, Syndergaard. Yeah, Syndergaard. Quintana, C.J. Abrams is one of the biggest risers. Carlos Carrasco. Like Mitchell's up there. I wonder why Mitchell's rising. Probably because of you. <laughs> I, I think he was – I really looked at, like, outfielders that were, like, really, un, like, under-owned in the, or undrafted in the first, you know, 10, 20 of them. And I was like, you just – I did some deep diving on him, and I'm like, yeah, you know what? This guy's going to be my guy. I, I planted my flag on him. All right, all right. Um, any like uh, Jose Abreu is another one. But if you go down to the bottom here, you see. Let's look at the players that were that have been dropping. Somebody, somebody drafted. Um, what's his name on the Twins? The shortstop that hurt. That's hurt. Um, Royce Lewis. Yeah, somebody drafted Royce Lewis. I mean, like recently, which I don't get it. I don't get it. So Bryce Harper is the guy that's fallen the most. DJ LeMahieu felt the second most. Kalenic, Bo Naylor. David Robertson, these all make sense. Bubba Thompson, I think you've taken Bubba Thompson. Wisniewski. Well, I took Bubba Thompson. There was one draft where I completely spaced on the time, and it it I missed a bunch of picks at the end, at the beginning, and I was like, I logged in and I had like ten seconds, and I was like, looked at my team, it looked like it was Short stolen years. base. Yeah, so I just grabbed him, and then obviously, uh, you can get him seven rounds later. So that was probably one of my bigger mistakes that I've done in the draft so far was grabbing him there, but I want to say that was like my second or third draft. Right. Um, quick question to you. Do you have any uh, Brian Mello? I, in, Brian, not, Brian? Not, um, Brian Mello? Bello on uh, Boston. Uh, yeah, I, I do, um, but not in these drafts. I no, Maybe one, maybe one. Why, why do you ask? Um, I just, that's who I took in my, one of the, this last pick that I have right here. I just, he's been working out with uh, Pedro. So oh, really? a, little, a little bit of diversification right there. I didn't have any of him before then. 
he's one of those guys that's like a risky pick. Like, I don't know. He oh, could, he yeah, could, he's he got to blow you up. He's got the suicide vest on, that's for sure. Yeah. Our buddy DuPont likes him, though. Not to say, I'm not saying he's taking him, but he's a Boston guy, so you've got to like him. Let's see, let's see if I have any of Bellow. Bellow. I have one share of him uh, overall, and it's a draft Champions League. So, no, I have not taken him in these drafts. Should I, should I be taking him in one of these? I don't know. I don't know. His ADP is 320. You could get him. You could probably get him in the last round. Like if I if I waited if I in all of my remaining drafts if I waited to the last round, I could probably get him in like twenty percent of the drafts in the last round because I'm pretty sure he's not being drafted everywhere. Huh. Leads, me, leads me to the question: Are there any are there any players that you think that are just like not being drafted that maybe like are you having second thoughts like why isn't this player being drafted in this format? Hmm. Maybe Bell Bell's an Bell's an example of one of them. Um That's a good question. Let's see here. What about like I'll I'll throw out a name out. And 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 in no ways in no, in no way am I like endorsing this guy, but he's been basically undrafted. Nixon's out. He's where did he sign? Is he in Colorado or he's still in Cincinnati? Cincinnati. <laughs> where did Colorado come from? I don't know. I thought that's I thought someone like a type of that type of player moved to Oh. To Colorado for some reason. I don't Ooh. know. Uh, like we'll someone like Nick like he okay, obviously he's gonna get hurt. <laughs> but like, yeah, he's an everyday player until then, uh, in a good park, and he's got the pedigree. So like you're drafting Garrett Mitchell. How is that any better than Nixon's L, who's never getting drafted in these leagues? So it's like, have we group thunk ourselves like so much in these like these drafts are the same people? There's so much group thinking these drafts. Like there's only there, it's a 345 pick draft. There's 345 picks. In the ADP, there's only like 485 players that have been picked. So it's like so it's so incestuous. So it's like, are we just like not seeing the forest of the trees? Like and missing on a lot of these players that should be taken and, and just keep going back to the well with the same players. They go, oh, this player, I was really hoping I'd get him in the last round. I did. So how can I pass on him again? But you're leaving all these players that are just like, like, are we, are, are we concentrating the player pool too much? That's what I'm afraid of. Especially like starting pitching. Um, yeah. I mean, I just, Nick Senzel, you bring him up. He, um, that's just not, a guy that I ever was ever really high on, but I do get your point. Like someone like me, where I have as many drafts as I did, I probably should have went a little bit lighter on Garrett Mitchell and grabbed a couple more of these other guys that might pop. Um, yeah, just so you don't know which ones they are. It's, it, the other yeah. thing that I'm thinking is like, okay, yeah, like I, I'd love to, like, like Nick Senzel is just an example. I'm using, a, he's not a guy that I'm really wanting to take. I'm just using him as an example because I don't want to give away any of the players I actually want to, that I'm actually thinking of. But um, let's say like, Okay, this is a draft I'm going to take. I'm going to take Nick Senzel in this draft because just to diversify in round 23. But what if that's the one draft that like I killed all my other picks and I'm in 45 of these drafts and this is this is the winning yeah. draft? Why why am I diverging from the player that I feel strongly about? So let's say let's say I, I love Joey Votto and I'm going to put him in my utility at the end of the draft most times. And just for for shits and giggles, I'm going to take Nick Senzel this time because diverse diversity. Um, but this is the one. This is the one team that is the best team up to round 23. And I've just shot myself in the foot. 
So it's really such a double-edged sword in terms of diversification. Yeah, it's, I mean, obviously there's, you know, a higher risk, higher reward when you put all your eggs in one basket. But if you're confident with someone like Votto, you should just be taking them, you know? Yep, I'm not, I'm not though. <laughs> I took a couple. You made me take a couple of them. I, was, I wanted to get a couple of your guys. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not confident in Votto, but I am. But I, I when I was taking him, I thought he was. I was sort of. I thought, I thought he was sort of undervalued in this format. I think you just don't want guys that are just going to be complete like grenades, and from the hitting from the hitting end, it's just players that aren't going to play. Um, so like players like that's where it's tough with the with the rookies. Like some of these rookies, like my, the Michael Harris. Like if if this contest ran last year, Michael Harris in round twenty three, no one would have taken him. Like he would have yeah. gone completely undrafted, like zero percent but he would have been like a, a league winning pick. Like you got guys like Jordan Walker's being drafted. I know you're taking him, but that's not a sure thing at all. That's a very risky pick. He's actually falling in the ADP in these drafts for whatever reason. Well, cause it's, I'm not drafting him anymore. I was on that. <laughs> yeah. I've been, try, <laughs> I've been trying not to draft him. I've been doing my, everything in my power. I, I have taken shares of him, but he's really not a guy that I want in this format. Um, I think I had eight or nine shares of him like very very early do you think he's going to be up early um gosh i mean cardinals are deep i don't carlson just they just need to get rid of him sell him sell him for a bag of skittles or something he's just he's he shouldn't be blocking anyone yeah um i've seen i've seen people take painter and brandon fat and but those those are just like the hot ticket guys like i can understand maybe taking a shot on those guys but there's a lot of other pitchers that are that haven't made their major league debut yet that you can take in these drafts and those guys are tough to take too yeah i think i think i took two or three shares of painter um walker like i said i think i had like him in like nine out of the first you know 13 or 14 drafts that i did and i i have only 11 now so i've i dialed it back on him a lot um what else I don't have a lot of prospects. I mean, Cor- Corbin Carroll. I think I have like four or five of him. Yeah, um, but he's he's gonna be up he's, from the start. He's, that's not. Yeah, right. he's up from the start. Um, he's the guy that I think that the ADP, ADP once it gets closer to uh, main event time, he's gonna be a riser. Yeah. Um, so you you've said you think your optimal mix is seven two for starters versus relievers. Um, risk profile, like pro- we talked about prospects. Um, we sort of touched on Tatis and Harper. Um, are players like Degrom, Kershaw, Buxton more or less appealing in this format? Um, you know, Kershaw is going to give you your solid ratios, but just he's uh, he's getting older. He's he's not. I don't have any any shares of him. Um, Buxton, I think I have one or two shares of him. He uh, kind of broke my heart last year. I had a big bet on him winning an MVP, and uh, he started out really good. He was uh, – I think he almost was the chalk maybe three weeks in the season. I think he, he moved into the odds-on favorite. Obviously, it was short-lived. Um, I, I'm, I'll be in Buxton on other drafts, just no, not on this format. Right. And DeGrom – I'm, I'm, I like DeGrom. That's a guy I wish I had more shares of. I think I'm at 20, 25, 26% ownership of him. And I was getting him a lot more before he signed with Texas just because of the cost. Like you're talking about, like I was getting him in the fourth or fifth round 
And uh, after Texas signing that contract, you you know, he's they're taking him at the, you know, sometimes in the second round, start of the third round. It's just like I, I got a couple more shares of him, but the majority of my shares came uh, in later rounds. Yeah, I'm looking. I only have shares of him in Gladiators, and I, all my shares are in round four. And now he's like a round two pick, basically. Yeah. I, I, you know, I just think that uh, getting out of uh, New York can only be a good thing for him. I mean, whether it's true or not, you know, you hear the rumblings of the Mets medical staff not being the greatest and uh, rumblings or just like straight up facts, <laughs> straight up facts. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, him going to Texas, Texas, giving him that money. I, uh, I, I really like him. So, you know, if, if I knew that he was going to pitch 80% of the season, I would, I would probably be my first pitcher off the board. No shit, Jeff. Yeah. Really? Nah, I mean, not in this format. You'd probably be about the seventh or eighth in this format. All right. You? No, uh, if you if he's eighty percent, he'd, he'd be like a first round pick. He'd be the first pitcher off the board. No. Easy. If he was going to play eighty percent of his games, um, that's the whole thing with him. Now, on certain roles, platoon players like Winker is a good guy that had, that's an example of that. Like, or uncertainty. Um, Ruiz, Winker, like, like, are you staying away from those type of players, or are you willing to take shots on them later? Uh, so I heard the Winker. I'm no shots on Winker. He's just not, not, yeah, not for me. I didn't hear the first name that you asked me before Winker. Um, well, Winker was the first one I said, but Ruiz is another guy that I mentioned. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of other. Guys like Marcel, Marcelo Zuna is another guy that's sort of weird. Um, yeah, he's just well, I could pull up a board and see what some of their names I can give you, like that are like sort of risky, yeah. risky outfielders at the end. It's usually well, the outfielders. What about- Tommy Pham, um, what's his name on the Pete Rose on the on the Angels, what's the mini Pete Rose or whatever they call him? <laughs> um, what's, what the fuck's the guy's name? Um, <laughs> The mini Pete Rose. I I think I have uh, one one share of fam. Nothing on his on his. Renjif Renjifo is him. Yeah, like Yepaz, Kalenic, Chris Taylor, like Margot. Um, I got some. Uh, I don't know his name. Rafinha. However you say it, Luis. Luis the Luis guy. Yeah. I got a couple shares of him. He's actually on one of the teams that I like the best. But uh, that signing of Brandon Drury was no good for that. Yeah, that's yikes. Um, do you have a favorite team? Um, yeah, I got uh, one of my my favorite team is I think the one where I have the the Indian stack. I basically have all of the Indians on it somehow. Was, I looked at kind of into Jeff stack. Jeff, come on. What? Why not the Indians? Why not the Indians? They changed their name. Oh, okay, okay. Guardians. Guardians. I'm just joking. <laughs> Be better, please. Okay. Do you want me to, you want me to edit this um, out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, okay. I don't care. Uh, I don't care. Um, uh, I'm a lot of things. Politically correct's not not it. Well, you're afraid. Um, you're afraid your 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 uh, your boss at work or like the poker com- the poker community might cancel you. No, I can't be canceled. I'm cancel me from two people. We can't be canceled. You hear that? We can't be canceled. 
Um, and this is not this has actually been a normal podcast. So what this is um one of them you wouldn't want to cancel. Yeah, where's where's Bjorn? I don't know. I invited him on, but I guess he's busy. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know, so, if, you want, I don't know if you want to know. What were what were we talking about? My my favorite team, I got uh I started uh Jose Ramirez and then I got uh Dylan Cease, DeGrom, Bieber, and Castillo. So I went stud and then I went four pitchers and then I was able to get uh, Rosario um I got Jimenez I got Quan and then I was able to get Bader and uh and Christian Walker so I mean that was one of my favorite starts and then I was I went with uh Finnegan and Dominguez so I got the closers on Philly and and Washington hopefully so definitely <clears throat> risky there but overall that was that was the team that I liked the best. That's a solid team. What about what about the team you fucked up besides the team that you auto draft? Is there a team? Is there maybe not a team, but like a, a strategy where you're like I'm not doing this again? Is it just well, waiting I, on pitcher, wait, waiting on pitching, starting pitching, the hitting heavy ones? Yeah, anything where I did kind of besides that one, anything that I tried to do like heavy pitching, or you know, I grabbed like three starters and then a couple closers early, or if I tried starting four or five hitters, it was, it was just, I didn't like the builds of them. I think the, you know, balanced, a balanced approach was the best way right. on the start. Um, the team that I liked the least was the one, it wasn't the one is where I got auto picked Harper. I, I drafted, it was where I started real pitching heavy and uh, it actually one of my best draft grades. I think it was like a 96, but I got Harper in the, the, the 10th round which was it just killed it completely killed the team mm, yeah that, that, that um, is a shot in the nuts yeah I, I thought that when i drafted my first bat which was eloy i moved to utility and i had a loaded up queue but for some reason the queue got sniped and then i logged i was in i was playing poker for this tournament or for this draft and i logged back on and saw bryce harper and was just like fuck so, so out of 45 there was only one where i ended up with him so that's that's not bad i don't think that's the word no it's not bad what about you i saw you uh you were on auto draft for a couple things but i'm sure you, you were you had some kind of method to your madness which one was that the bubba uh, draft was that what the one bubba was doing there was yeah there was one where you were yeah with bubba and then i think there was one other one but the one with Bubba is the one that yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I was, the one that Bubba hosted. I was actually there. I just had it on auto and I was populating my queue just to fuck with everyone just so they, they'd think that I was on auto and maybe would they would act differently because they wouldn't think I would because they would just think I would just take from the top of the queue. And I just well, and then um, I just heard it was funny because you heard them talking like, oh fucking wax, the ghost of wax. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm I'm fucking listening to them and I'm I'm actually listening to them say this and I'm there making my decisions based on this. It's just and I'm just there cracking up in the background because I was actually not on auto, but even though my it said I was on auto, but I was actually putting players in and shuffling my queue as as it went on, I just had to be fast. If my queue was, my queue was getting sniped, I had to like act quickly. Um, that's fun. That's funny. I had I I kind of thought that that was a possibility that you were doing that. Yeah, because I would have got a harp if it was truly just auto. I would have got Harper. I didn't, and um, I was taking players out of sequence too. And I did that another time too, not just for Bubba's. When I think we had another, I think um, they had another Zoom call where Dupont and all those guys were. Um, in the draft and I just put it on auto, but I actually wasn't on auto. So I've never been on auto. I, I did get, I, I do have one share of Harper and I, I will admit this. 
I'm in so many drafts. I joined a best ball draft and I didn't even know that it filled <laughs> and it just started going. It just started going. And I got Harper in the third round of that fucker because I didn't even know the draft had started. So I, I autoed the first five rounds or five or six. I got Harper in the third, which kind of sucks. Uh, yeah, that does. I just, I just started one best ball. Cause I was basically, there's no drafts going on for me. Cause I used all of my, all of my tokens up. Uh, it sucks. Wait, you can't get into you can't get into like other ones other than gladiators. Uh, no, you can. I just I just tried a best ball. That's mm. the first. That was the first one I did. Should, I mean, I, I I do. I'll do a couple draft champions. DM Rick I, to re- reset your token. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I tried getting them up at the fifty. <laughs> um, how has this helped you um, prepare for like main events at all, or is it just um, like how does how has this helped you like? You know the player pool like like if you- um i yeah i've i understand the player pool at this point in the season a lot better than than i ever have you know normally i'm not doing drafts till the calendar year so uh i uh i think this was a good thing you know and i know everyone's not going to draft the same you know you know coming up down in the more important leagues in the main mm-hmm. event but i pretty much have draft drafted with anybody anybody and everybody in these things so if i you know I can go back and kind of look at, at what they did, you know, and have kind of an understanding of, you know, players that they like later and, you know, just looking at their thought processes, you know, and how they construct the team. Granted, this is a completely different format. So you got to take it with a grain of salt. Still all information is useful. Exactly. All right. We got some questions that were below the, the tweets that we did the agenda on. Come on. Why is this not showing up here? Bjorn has a question, I believe. What the fuck? Trying to find here. This is not a good way to do this. What do I do? Just look under each of these fucking things. Um, Anthony asked me if I was planning on Max entering from the start, and that was a no. But uh, you know, they were fun. They're fast paced, especially the minute drafts. I like the you know the the rapid fire like that. You know, um, quick decisions. A um, couple of the drafts that I was on the calls, they were they're fun. You know, bullshitting with everybody and kind of meeting people for the first time. And after the you know third or fourth one i was like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna max enter these things that are this particular i, I wasn't process. sure if i was going to either and, and just they're just they're just so fun okay bjorn asks diversification what was there hope for either of you to rough to get roughly one third front middle and back and picks to mix it with player pool um like in terms of I, actually, I i left mine just one through 15 the entire time and uh, i actually was kind of fortunate that I ended up with either a lot in the front or a lot in the back. And uh, I think that's, uh, I think that those are the sweet spots. I don't, I don't really like six, six through 10. And uh, yeah, I agree. Well, I, I did, I, I did, I did four, three, two, one. And then basically the rest, I don't, I don't want to be 15, 14 because 
I like to be like, I like to have like three or four people after me, like, like sort of sandwiched. Like I need, I need to have, I want to have the hammer on like three or four people um, when it gets back around to me, because I, if I have like a book on them, I know who they're going to take. So I could sort of play that against them. Yeah. Um, you did it versus me multiple times. You're, yeah. Yeah. I know. Like, I, know I know you're, I know you're, I know your boys. Um, I don't know. Like, I, did anyone else have any questions? I, I read that one. We don't have many listener questions for this podcast. Did you see anything? Did you see anyone write anything underneath anything here other than Bjorn? Um, I, Anthony asked me, do I prefer um, Roto or points? Uh, I Roto by a mile. Um, he asked if we should uh, ask for a higher price point for this or more more leagues. I, I think it would be best how it was. Like there's like, you know, Gladiator 1 goes from November 15th to December 15th, you know, so everyone kind of has the same information. Then if they want to open up a Gladiator, Gladiator 2, which is basically, you know, a carbon copy, maybe has less leagues with a less with a lower guarantee, then they do the, that together. I think uh, Derek had a question about Buxton. I don't, I'm trying to find that. Oh, one. 2 of 44. 2 of 44? Yeah. Let's see me. Man. That's the, he's not going to be happy with that. Well, I, this is in the format for him. I do like him, even though, I like I said, he he, he got my hopes up early last year. Oh, well, I got um, five shares of him. You have you have five? Yeah. Um, how many? How many? How many have I completed? I'm 36. I'm five of 36. But he's basically going to have to fall to like round 11 for me to take him in these. That's about it. Anything else we got to say? No, that's uh, I got, I got nothing else. Any messages you want to deliver to the world? No. Well, Jeff, how how how'd you like your podcast debut on the Draft Champions podcast? Oh, it was good. Did you're a great guy. You're uh, I like uh, you have great sense of humor. I like that you kind of go back and forth with the two different types of podcasts. I think they're you know great. Thanks, buddy. What, and what, what what the hell have you been doing this whole time? You're, are you playing video games? No, no. I got my laptop up, and I have uh, uh, my Xbox, which I can see my player shares on. Oh, so I was just kind of. So you got you, you. So just for everyone listening, you got you got an like, Xbox controller, and you're and I just see you looking up. I thought you were like playing like MLB the Show. Um, no, no, no. no. I was just <laughs> doing this. There. Like, are you not paying attention? I mean, you're just playing MLB. No, the no, no, no. You had you had, hundred percent of my undivided attention. I wouldn't. Okay. I wouldn't be able to focus. If I, I tried doing anything I, else, I would have been I'm, I'm glad I asked you that because I thought you were playing. I thought you were playing a video game this entire time, but no, you're actually toggling and trying to answer my questions because you're using a controller. Um, yeah, I figured it might be quicker this way. I planned on doing the Zoom on the laptop, but it wouldn't let me upgrade the new thing. Even though, I don't know, it's a it's a piece. Andrew I, Painter, I have two of. Yeah, I think I have one. Probably should it probably should be zero in these. I blame I blame James James Anderson for that. How much Grayson Allen do you? Or sorry, Grayson Rodriguez do you have? Um, probably way too much. Uh, let's see, player shares. Grayson, ugh, too much. Thirty percent. Oh shit! What do you have? 
two. Actually, it's probably more. I think I have them on the two that are almost done also. So it's probably going to be four. Um, yeah, the guy no, that I was thinking that went to Colorado. The guy that I was thinking of Colorado is the Cole Tucker. I don't know why I got him confused with Nick Senzel. Oh. Yeah. That, oh, the that brother bomb. of Pre- um, Colt. Oh, okay. He went to Colorado, Cole Tucker. I wouldn't be really yeah. considering him in, in these. No. I, I For some reason, I just, that's why I, I got him mixed up with Nick Senzel. I mean, they're both. I'm never drafting any of them in either format, any format. So, so I have 10 shares, which is 27.8% of Ketel Marte. First podcast I did this year, I said <laughs> I will have zero Ketel Marte because he's just, I'm like, no, nah, no dog. But like, he is going so late in these drafts that I sometimes just can't say no to him. He is. I have Especially no because of what I talked about with batting average, even though his batting average sucked last year and his health sucked and his counting stats sucked, even though he just, he just fucking sucks. Um, I still took him. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I just need to reassess how good I play at this fantasy game. I don't know. Why am I? I have no. No, I have no kettle. None. None. No kettle. I have one Starling. He's right next to. I have one Juan Soto. Juan Soto. Another guy that killed me in main events last year. I have no. I I have no Soto in in, in these. Uh, what so what was your highest highest owned guy or you don't want to you don't want to share? Well you, my highest owned guy is Gabriel Marino. Oh wow. I thought it would be someone else. No, 50% just because if I miss on catcher and I thought he I thought they would make a trade. I just think he's going late and I'd like him over I like him over um Bo Naylor. A lot of times at the beginning Bo Naylor was going ahead of him. Um I don't know. So and we have Tovar. Tovar, I'm I'm high on him too. Like forty percent. He's number three. You know, I like you. I guess obviously you've seen that I've taken him a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that was a couple guys that I noticed. Yep, Tovar is my third most owned player in the Gladiator format. But the fun, the funny thing is, Marino and Tovar. It's a format thing. It must be because I have like almost no exposure to them in in DCs or other other formats. Like DCs, I think I have like I've done ten of them. I've won Tovar, but somehow he's like my third most owned player in these um, in this format. Yeah, I got four of them. I think three of them. I was just trying to snipe snipe them from you. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's all it is. You just want to. It's not about winning. It's just fucking over. It's not even. You don't even know if you're fucking over the player because Tovar might even be shit. It's just like I I I don't care about winning. I don't care about strategy. I just want to make you unhappy. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you definitely score. You scoreboarded me on that. You for sure scoreboarded me on that. <laughs> okay. All right, man. Well, um, thanks again. You did great on your podcast debut, according to according to me. Um, but it was good to meet you in person, and I'm sure I'll see you. Um, Same. So I'm sure I'll see you in March. And uh, yeah, I'll be down in Vegas this year. I'll, we'll, I'll we'll get you a drink or two. Likewise, we'll we'll get fucked up, and um, we'll we'll figure out a bet for uh, what is it? Are we gonna? Are we? So we? I said. More, more the most wins because we're both going to be in 45 drafts. So the most first place, or are we going to do highest overall team? So whoever has a team that's ranked highest in the overall, whatever you like, uh, I'll let you decide. We'll figure it out in March. We'll, we'll we'll decide in March. Sounds good. All right, buddy. Thanks again. All right, all right. Say, take it easy. Yep, you too.